Hi, my name is Stephen Luna. I'm the lead pastor of MWC Church. We're so glad you chose to join us for this podcast. My prayer is that it would be a blessing in helping you grow closer to Jesus and help you grow in your faith. Enjoy this week's sermon. How many of you know when you're in high school, you know everything? There's nothing you don't know. When I was in high school, I was fully convinced that there was no God. Or if there was a God, it wasn't the God that I had learned in, in, in my, my, my RCC, my Roman Catholic Church uh, studies, or CCD, I think is what we called it. And, and I was fully convinced that, that that was not a real God. I, I was probably more leaning towards uh, Karl Marx's philosophy of, of, of religion is just the opium of the masses, right? This is something that is delivered to people to kind of quench pain and to, to make life more sustainable. I used to believe that Christianity is just one of many ways to happiness, that, that I, I wasn't so vindictive towards Christians, but I would say, hey, I'm, I'm happy that you found what's good for you. But well, what's good for you is not necessarily what, what's good for me. This is religious moralism or, or moral relativism. I, I believe that everyone has their own good. You got to find your own destiny, right? Eat, leave, eat, live, and pray, right? Whatever that thing was. Like I, I adopted this philosophy um, and, and then I, I, I truly believe that those who were wealthy or happy or, or those who had fame or who were celebrities had no need for religion, that they weren't empty inside. But, but I started realizing, and in fact, even just recently, recently, this started coming back up to the surface where I, I believe we're seeing more and more and time and time again, we're seeing more celebrities kind of give us a, an inside look into how depressing and how depraved fame and, and celebritas actually is, how the it's really not that great, and uh, we have person after person um, who, who, I mean, honestly, who, who tries to take their life, who's contemplating whether this it's even worth existing, and yet we look at them from a distance, and we're like, man, you got your life all together. You got all the money, all the fame. You have all the, everything you could ever ask for, and, and, and I was the kind of person who thought that, that they were happy, but the realization is, is that they're really not, and they're actually not living this perfect life. I used to also believe that Christianity was, was mind control, right? Did you ever, did you ever hear that, that, that uh, Christianity is just a, a form of control that the government has used to kind of control large populations of people? But then that argument kind of falls flat on its face when you discover that the origins of Christianity were actually started up in a very, um, not, not controlling, they actually tried to snuff out religious faith. They, they, they tried snuffing out Christianity in the early church, and yet it still continues to prevail. So when I started coming face to face to the reality of all of these facts that, that it's not about mind control. The government has tried to destroy this. It's not about government control. It's not about you know whatever makes, brings you happiness because the people that have everything aren't even happy themselves. I started to realize something that all people, myself included, when I got to the reality of my life, my existence, I had an existential crisis, if you will, and I came to the grips of, I need more. I need more. What this life has to offer this, this daily grind of trying to, at this time in my life, it was go to schools and get the diploma, and then you get the diplomas and get the job, and you get the job so you can make money to what ends. It just never stops. Hopefully, you can give your kids some money for what ends so that they can do the exact same thing. What is the purpose of life? And it was just a cycle that I, that I had to break, and it broke in me when I realized that I wasn't just someone who was sick looking for a, a pill to make me feel better or for a remedy, I, I, I had to come to the grips that I was actually dead in my sins and I needed a savior to bring me back to life. It's what Paul would write to the Romans who were a very proud, knowledgeable group of people, very deep philosophically, but Paul had to bring humility to them and, and he brought this in, in Romans chapter three. He said this, for everyone 
has sinned. Everybody say sinned. Now, this word sinned, we understand it in our Western Christian, Judeo-Christian culture in America. We, we see it as, as doing wrong things. But if you were living in the original context of the writers there, you, they understood sin to be something a little slightly different than what we understand it to be. Yeah, we under, they understood it to be wrong and right, but they also understood it as a, as a, a term, a sporting term, kind of an archery, an archerer term, uh, an archery term, that if you were to shoot at a bullseye the moment you miss that bullseye, you have missed the mark. And that's literally what sin means. It's not just doing wrong. It's, it's missing the mark. And, and if we were to contextualize that to God, God has never missed the mark. I mean, God is shooting aces. Like, it's just perfection, perfection, perfection. And even if we are close to the bullseye, but we miss, if you miss by an inch or you miss by a mile, you have missed the mark. You have sinned. And Paul is bringing up, he says, for everyone has missed the mark. If we were to take a a long, long list of, of all of the atrocities and good or bad things that we've ever committed, even though your list of wrong might be shorter than the person next to you, when When you compare that list to God's list, he has never missed. So your standard, yes, compared to someone might be good, but compared to God's standard, you've missed. And Paul is bringing that, and this is something that I needed to be faced with, that that everyone has missed the mark. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Now, that's pretty depressing. We're all a bunch of thinners. We're all a bunch of failures, right? We've all messed up. There's no hope for us. That's not what the word says. In Romans chapter 3, verse 22, and in verse 24, literally sandwiching that that beautiful phrase. Look look what it has there. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Christ Jesus. And this is true for everyone who believes. Everyone who believes. No matter the color, no matter the age, no matter the demographic, no matter the socioeconomic status, this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Paul reemphasizes that. Verse 24, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus, just in case you thought it was something that he just decided on his own. No, he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. If you were to read between the lines, Paul is literally saying he did this when he freed us from the penalty for our sins when he allowed the penalty to be placed on Jesus. I'm here to tell you as we jump into the gifts of the Spirit, part five of our series, I'm here to tell you that, that because of the faithful, finished, completed work on the cross and Calvary, Jesus Christ, in Christ, we are now healed spiritually. Can we, just, can we just pause there for a moment? There was once a chasm of separation between us and God. But Jesus, through his faithful work, his obedience to go upon the cross and taste death on our behalf, has now brought us to the Father. And now, this is not something that is just given to everybody and it just falls on your lap. I mean, it, it should be that way, but, but we have a responsibility to accept that, like Paul says, and believe, to put our trust in that, to put our faith in that. But that's the beauty of the gospel, that, that in Christ we are currently here spiritually. 
We are, we're actually healed in three ways. In, in Christ, we will one day be healed in eternity. There is coming a day where, where we will have these glorified bodies, as, Re, as Revelation says it, these glorified bodies. I believe everybody's going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, like just, well, not current, <laughs> the, the one that everybody wants to be, right? Uh, everyone's just going to be just cut animals. Like We're just going to look so good. Uh, ladies, I don't know who you want to look like, but it's hopefully not Arnold. Um, but in, in, I mean, we're going to have these, these glorified bodies, and in Christ we are going to be eternally healed. There's going to be no sickness, no sorrow, no sadness, nothing. We are going to be perfected. But here, up until this point, all the Christians around the world are saying, glory, hallelujah, praise God, I'm, I'm healed spiritually. There is coming a day where I will be healed in eternity. And in this point, the third area of healing is where Christians begin to tiptoe and, and kind of sidestep or, 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 or jump in boldly. And I'm believing that we are going to be a church that jumps in boldly into this third part. But in Christ, we can presently be healed physically and emotionally. That what we see Jesus do in the Gospels is still available for us today. In fact, Jesus even said that the things that you have seen me do, greater things will you do because I am going to the Father. We are living in a time where the Holy Spirit desires to use his church and his people to do the miraculous. We serve a God who continues to heal, a God who continues to deliver, a God, yes, who can still raise the dead. I believe that wholeheartedly. And in our Western mindsets, we've kind of allowed, and I'm not saying anything against medicine. I got a doctor. I love him. I, I don't love him. I mean, I give him a high five. I talk to him. We talk about golf quite a bit. But, but I'm not saying anything about medicine. But I will say this. We have, as our Savior, a great physician who heals, who restores, who does the impossible, who, when you look at a situation, and the doctors are just befuddled. That's, that's a good word. Just befuddled. And just like, how are we going to work this out? There's no solution. We, as people of faith, not merited by our own works, but because of Jesus, can look at any situation and say, that may be impossible for you, but not for him. Nothing's impossible for him. So, so this, is, this is where we're, we're jumping into. We've been in a series called the, the Gifts of the Spirit, and I'm here to tell you today that in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7 through 11, if, if we were to spend some time, we're going to go ahead and, and sidestep that because we've done it every single week. We've read this passage. We find these nine gifts of the Spirit. There are over 20 in Scripture in various places, but, but 1 Corinthians 12 has the largest collection of them. There's nine, in fact, and I just want to really quickly list these nine for you. They're called the, if we were to categorize them, they'd be called the manifestation gifts of the Spirit. Um, and let's go ahead and just read these. Out. There's the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discerning spirits, and then tongues and interpretation. Now, I believe on the list, there's three that have already been struck through. It's not because we don't believe those. It's because we've already taught on those. Uh, tongues and interpretation, we've, we've taught on that, that, that whenever there is a public tongue, now we believe in tongues, we don't silence tongues. And if you're just kind of thrown back at that, man, go just go listen to the last podcast or talk to me after service. I'd love to talk to you. Um, but tongues and interpretation are two gifts that, that go hand in hand. They should never be separated. They're uh, like peanut butter and jelly, right? And then we said prophecy is, is, we defined it this way. This is the mind of God or the thoughts and the heart of God, rather, coming from the mind of God through the words of man. These, although coming from man, are not originating in the intellect of man. In layman's terms, just, just to simplify, 
prophecy is, is the thoughts of God coming through the vessels of, of humanity. Us speaking the thoughts, the mind of God that is never going to contradict what we find in Scripture. It's going to be edifying, as the Bible says. It's going to be building up. It's going to be encouraging. It's never going to be terrifying or terrorizing. Uh, we, we talked all about that last week. And, and we, were just, we just gave a moment in the service to trust the Lord. And we said, God, you, we believe that the spiritual gifts are still for today. Um, I am a product of, of what we can call Pentecost, where we, we kind of see this happening on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, and it continues through the church. And we're just like, God, um, yeah, we don't, we don't want to keep you at our arm's length. We want everything that you have. We don't want to just give Jesus a high five and, and God the Father a hug, but then keep, keep the Holy Spirit at arm's length because he's kind of weird. No, we want, we want God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we want the gifts that the Holy Spirit has to offer. So we just were humble in, in demeanor, and we are just like, God, if you want to speak, we're, we're, we're going to be open to that. And somebody in our Saturday night service gave an incredible word. And the word was this, to, to not keep me, God, not, not keep God in an arm's length, to embrace all that he has, to not, not be afraid of him, but, but to trust him. That is, that is good things for us. And then you know what's beautiful is that our Saturday night service had that manifestation, but Sunday morning had one as well. In fact, we were given two words of prophecy. The first one was this. Uh, one person spoke and uh, as, as they were prompted and yielded to the Holy Spirit. And then they said this. Now, really quick, if you're new, I don't want to scare you. They, they didn't just like levitate and eyes rolled to the back of their heads and a different voice came. No, no, this was just normal. It wasn't King James version of the Bible. Thus saith the Lord. Right? It was just normal conversation as the, as the Holy Spirit was prompting and leading them. And they were yielding or pausing for the Holy Spirit. And they were trusting him. And we were weighing it according to the word of God. And the word was this. There is a storm coming. That's in scripture. We understand that there are days we are living in the last days, that there's trials and tests. And, and the word was kind of corrective in nature, but it was that there is a storm coming, but God has given us every single thing that we need to stand and weather the storm, that he's given us great strength to, to get in the word of God, to not keep him at an arm's length, exactly what was said on Saturday, so it confirmed that. And then someone else spoke up and said, the Lord would say to us to be vulnerable, to, to not pretend that we've got everything together and, 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 and put just paint a face on of perfection, but to be real in the body of Christ. And it was just, per, it was just perfect. It's exactly what we needed. And people were just, were just wailing and weeping, and God was just doing powerful things. It wasn't weird or awkward or kooky. We would never let that happen. But it was exactly what we needed in that moment. So we've said this. We have said this. I just want to really quickly, um, oh, actually, um, we've said this, that when we operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we will always be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Um, there is never going to come a service where we're not going to just, uh, where we're just going to go ahead and, and, and just follow the program. We're always going to submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit wants to do something different, he can do something different. That doesn't mean that I don't prepare a sermon or we don't prepare worship. No, we still prepare. But if the Holy Spirit ever wants to do something that's going to detour what we have thought, the Bible says this, that man makes the plans, but the Lord orders their steps. God is always going to order our steps. So we will yield and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We're, we're going to do, or we're not going to do, what Paul tells the church in Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 519 he says this do not quench the spirit now he's not saying like don't give the holy spirit a bottle of water to quench his thirst he's saying don't don't douse the holy spirit like let the fire let the fire of the holy spirit to continue to burn among you don't don't just douse it out but but keep the holy spirit's fire alive among you he says do not treat prophecy with contempt don't just be like ah oh, we don't need that no no, no. but 
But what, what, are we, what are we to do? We're supposed to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We will always be sensitive to newer people in our service. I, 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 want, I remember when I was going to a church and I would bring somebody with me, I would oftentimes pray, Lord, I love you, but can you keep the Holy Spirit at home today? Because I've got new friends coming with me and I don't want anything to get weird. Listen, um, I promise you, how can I say this? You may be a very comforting, loving, compassionate person. But Jesus did not give you the nickname Comforter. He gave it to the Holy Spirit. So we are always going to orchestrate and manage ourselves in such a way that we are going to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and also sensitive to anybody in the church who's new, who's questioning. So there's never going to come a time where something, something's going to happen is going to throw somebody off without me coming up and gently explaining what's happening and facilitating. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And that's why you should pray for your pastor so these kind of things can happen. But we're going to just trust the Lord. And here's what I believe. I believe that the Bible is true. It's the word of God. And the word says this, that when the Holy Spirit moves, it's going to cut through the bone and marrow of a person's heart to pierce the heart of the hearers, believers or unbelievers or questioners or doubters. And the Holy Spirit is going to do a work in them. In fact, even Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14 that, they would, that they would be, the, the, the secrets of their hearts would be exposed. I want that. I, I, I pray I'm a good preacher, and I pray I can, I can make some things land and some points land and maybe have you think after service, but, but I am nothing in comparison to the Holy Spirit. So we're going to yield to him. And some of you said amen. You guys are jerks. Just kidding. <laughs> You're like, amen, you stink, pastor. Holy Spirit's better. <laughs> So yeah, we're, we will always function with order and peace. 1 Corinthians 14, 33 to 40 says this, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. God is not a God of disorder, but of pre- peace. So really quickly, what, what, what should we do if you ever feel that the Holy Spirit is, is giving you something? Well, let me, let me just say this. You should be praying. Holy Spirit, do you want to speak to us? Do you want, do you want to use me to speak to, 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 to the people humbly? Um, and if you ever feel that there's a point where God has given you a word that you feel is for the church, Here's, here's the protocol, because we're not going to be crazy people that just scream out in the middle of service. Come, come up to me and say, hey, pastor, I just really gently, discreetly, don't draw attention. You don't have to dance through the aisles and do some backflips. Really discreetly, just come up, put a shoulder if I'm worshiping. Uh, don't bother me, because I'm, I'm just kidding. No, but come up and be like, hey, pastor, I just really feel that, that God is just saying this to me. And in that moment, as a leader of the church, I'm going I'm to test and weigh that, as the Bible says, test and weigh that, and I'll tell you, hey, this is appropriate. Uh, give, me, give us a moment, and I'm going to get up, and usually during worship, I'll transition us, and I'll say, hey, at this point, I'm, I'm going to invite sister or brother so-and-so, and they're going to share what they feel the, the Lord is, is going to say. We've heard that. I've heard it already, and I believe it's for us. Uh, you're going to share, uh, or you can still say it. You don't have to come up here. I don't have to give you a mic, but um, you can share it there, and, and then we will take a moment and, and listen to that, and we will weigh, the Bible says, to judge the spirits, to test the spirit, to weigh the spirit according to the word of God, and we're just going to say, what is for us? What is God speaking to us? So um, I promise you, these are good days ahead of us. I cannot picture a church in this generation that is not being led by the Holy Spirit. That church will not last. There used to be a time and day where we were seeker sensitive in, in the body of Christ, where we were just like, let's, let's try to not freak anybody out and make this a place that is as welcoming as possible. And, and, and I believe that's what we should do. Absolutely, we're gonna love people. 
But in doing so, I believe we kept the Holy Spirit at an arm's length. Now I believe it's time for us to understand that we can be seeker-sensitive and we can also be sensitive to the Spirit of God. Amen? There should be more amens than that. Please, people. We need the Holy Spirit. Not by power nor by might, but by His Holy Spirit. So, let's talk about today's spiritual gift, healing. Healing. You guys ready for this? Uh, My first encounter with healing happened in circa 1996. Um, I was a six-year-old kid, and I just dated myself. Um, I just told you how old I am. I'm not dating myself. That's weird. In 1996, um, I was watching the movie Karate Kid. And in, in this movie Karate Kid, there was a boy by the name of Daniel Russo, or Daniel LaRusso. And uh, he, he, was, he was learning to become a karate kid. This was back in the day where uh, karate was the coolest martial arts. And there were no MMA. There was no jiu-jitsu. There was no Muay Thai. At least we didn't know anything about it. Uh, we just thought karate was the best, right? So I'm watching this. I want to be a karate kid. I put my mom's bathrobe on, put on a black belt. They think I'm awesome. Uh, Daniel LaRusso, this was back in like, it was actually made in the 80s. So they had awesome 80s. Hairs, hair metal montages. You guys remember those days of montages? Like, you're the best around ever. Oh, so good. It was just like, I just wanted to start working out just listening to that song. This was back in the day when school bullies could get beat up um, by school-sanctioned karate tournaments. So <laughs> in this movie, um, Daniel LaRusso is fighting Cobra Kai, the, the, like the biggest bully, and, and, and they're fighting, and, and, and like the Cobra Kai dojo leader is like telling the, the kid, the, the bad kid, the, the protagonist, he, or the antagonist, he's saying, sweep the leg, right? Like, and Daniel's got an injured leg, and he's just hopping on there, and he does this awesome move that, that everybody tried. Like, raise your hand if you've ever tried that, that single-legged Okay, every, yeah, anybody who's in anybody has tried this awesome move. Raise your hand. Shame the devil. Tell the truth if you fell. Anybody? All right, we've got a bunch of liars. We'll have repentance and confession after service. Um, but this was the first encounter I had with healing because when, when Daniel LaRusso's leg was swept, he fell on the floor. Mr. Miyagi swept him up from the mats, and they said, we'll take a pause, and they brought him back, and they laid him down. He was like a, a quadriplegic. He couldn't move. It was just like an ankle injury. He couldn't move, and Mr. Miyagi's like, it's all right, Daniel, son. You did a great job. Like, you're still a winner. And he's like, no, I got to do something. They, they realized what? I could take a beating. He's like, all right, fine. And then there's just like a, a little scene where he's like, he just like rubs his hands together and he, he heals his leg. Like that's it. Um, and, and that was my first encounter with healing as a kid, right? Um, so, so you got to understand, this has formulated my understanding of biblical healing or healing in general. Uh, when I became a Christian, I'm like, all right, pastor wants us to come up for prayer. I need some prayer. I could use some healing. I thought he was just going to... And then lay hands on me, and uh, he laid hands on me, but there was no clap, there was no rubbing of the hands, um, because they didn't believe that. They believed that healing comes through the name of Jesus. But, but, but I'm here to tell you that, that healing, you don't have to be a Pat Morita or, or a Mr. Miyagi to do healing. That, that healing is a gift. In fact, 1 Corinthians 12 would call it the, the gifts of healing, plural. There's multiple gifts of healing, and we'll explain that. But, but I believe, and I, I believe Scripture fully, completely teaches that, that we can operate and utilize the gifts of healing in this day. That God desires to heal. Now, what is the function of healing? Really quick, the, the purpose of healing is this. The first one is this. There are three that I want to bring up. There's multiple, but these are the three that rise to the surface when we, when we read Scripture and, and just do a glance at it. The three purposes of healing. The first one is this. Healing is a sign of our compassionate king. 
Healing is a sign. Everybody say sign. It is a sign of our compassionate king. It's the result of a loving king restoring his creation. The opposite of brokenness is wholeness. When God created the world, it was complete perfection. When sin entered the world through humanity, it began a downward spiral of brokenness. Broken relationships, fear, intimidation, rivalry. I'm just going through the list of sins in the order that they happened. Um, Shame, anger, outrage, just downward spiral. Sin, death, sickness, labor pains. All the ladies said, amen. You know, like all this, all this stuff just began. So, so it was God's perfection and just we allowed sin to bring it into a dovetail of chaos. And God, from the very beginning of time, the moment we sinned, has been on a journey of restoring his creation to its created order of perfection. It was completed through Jesus. And it will be fully inaugurated when Jesus completely brings his kingdom to the earth. But this healing, the reason why it happens, it's a sign pointing to the compassion of our king. In fact, when you read in the Gospels, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 and 36, it says this, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. He didn't stop there. He didn't just go and deliver a message. Look what it says, and healing every disease and sickness every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Healing is a sign of a compassionate king. Why do we pray for healing? And why can we expect healing to come when we pray? Because we serve a king who's compassionate and he doesn't look down on his subjects as if we were just people to put our feed upon to deliver his message and to let him know he he views us as his own and we get to partner with him and we're co-heirs with Christ the word would say I mean this is just a beautiful partnership here so when we see healing it's supposed to remind us that we serve a compassionate king Jesus Christ secondly healing is a symbol everybody say symbol it's a symbol of the kingdom. Um, there's this word called signet. Everybody say signet. It's a really weird word. It, it's literally a, a, a ring that a, a, a royal uh, a king would wear. And whenever a king would give off a decree during uh, the time of Jesus, Herod likely had one of these, and the Romans initiated them. They continued on through the medieval times and things like that. But the, the king would usually have a ring, and on the ring was a symbol. Whenever this, the king would give a decree, they would put likely some wax on the note and they would, or the scroll, and he would put his signet, his symbol, on that wax, and he would declare to the people that this is, this is coming straight from the king's mouth. When we see healing, it is supposed to be a symbol to us, a reminder of the kingdom. 
that God is bringing restoration, he's redeeming, and he is making all things new. So when we see healing, it's not just for a one and done kind of experience, like, oh, thank you, I wasn't able to walk, now I'm able to walk. It should be, oh, thank you, I wasn't able to walk, now I can walk. And I'm reminded that I serve a kind, compassionate king who is going to restore the world and put put it back in order and restore justice and bring redemption, and he's going to make all things new. Healing is a symbol of the kingdom. This is why he says, Jesus says in Luke chapter 10, verse 8 through 11, he was telling his disciples, whenever you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. This is when he was sending them out two by two. This was the, the command he gave them. He said, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. That's, it's, it's twofold. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom has come near to you. Heal the sick, tell them the kingdom has come near to you. This was the, the, the command that Jesus gave his disciples, that when you are to, to go on your mission in the earth and, and to prepare people to receive me, preach the gospel, heal them. It's a symbol of the kingdom. Also, healing, this is the third one, is a side effect of the preached gospel. So it's a sign of a compassionate king. It's the symbol of a kingdom. And it is the side effect of the preached gospel. I believe this. Whenever we preach the gospel, we should pray and believe for healing to take place. I believe that. Whenever people respond to the gospel, there is a healing taking place. I mean, if they are giving their life to Christ, if they're turning from their sins and turning towards Jesus, they are healed eternally, right? Or they're healed spiritually. But I also believe that God's desire is, as a result of preaching the gospel, people can be healed physically. It, it's a side effect of the preached gospel. In Mark 16, Jesus literally says this in Mark's version of the Great Commission. He says this. I mean, this is right before he ascends into heaven. He says this, and he told them, Go into all the world. This is our, this is our commission because we haven't gone into all the world. He says, go into all the world. Preach the good news to everyone, everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. Anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. Who believe. These are the signs that should accompany or the side effects of the gospel. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages or the NIV or the ESV would say speak in tongues. Verse 18 gets kind of kooky and some people in Appalachian regions have taken this really weird and really far. They will be able to handle snakes with safety and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. We don't believe in that. We don't do this. This is not prescriptive. It is descriptive. It's, there was a time in the book of Acts where Paul was literally bit by a snake, a very venomous snake, and it did nothing to him. And they recollected this point in Mark's gospel. They're like, oh yeah, uh, that's why. So Paul wasn't just doing this, like go ahead and bite me. Like he wasn't testing God. Uh, but the, the passage is clear that uh, this would accompany these are the signs to accompany those who believe, who are going to, to declare the gospel message to all the earth, to every living creature. Verse 19, or I mean, I'm sorry, verse 18, they will be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. The very last, they will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. They will be healed. 
We, we believe we believe in healing. So I, I want to be careful. Healing is not a, there's no formula I can give you. Like I'm not a televangelist. I'm not going to say, hey, I sweated on this hanky. Now for $10 a month, if you support my ministry, you can have this hanky and then it'll bless people. Like I've got no miracle spring water. Like those are all like counterfeits. Like anybody who tries to sell you the gospel is, is a charlatan. Um, this is not, like, it's not a gift that any one person possesses. The Bible says that the Spirit gives as he so desires. So uh, there is not one person who should be considered a healer. Now, are some people using the gift of healing more than others? I would say, yeah, that, that, that's a possibility. But should we now consider them healers of the church? No, because the Lord can use anybody to heal. What does it take? What does it take? I don't want anybody in this place to say, well, I'm, I'm excluded because I haven't had this encounter or because I haven't met my quota of, of times I wanted to spend in prayer this year. So since I missed my quota, I, I'm not going to be able to, to, to be used in any of the gifts of the Spirit. No, listen, that's what the enemy wants you to feel. He wants you to hear this and feel insecurity and feel like you're not good enough or worthy enough. But I'm here to tell you that the Spirit of God desires to use you. He wants to equip you, not for your sake, but for his glory. And that the moment you realize that God can use you and, and desires to do things through you, you get just some boldness in you and you begin to serve him and love him and worship him much greater than you ever thought before because you are living on mission. You have purpose. We have purpose. So what do we do? I want to be clear. Healing is not a formula, but there are some key ingredients. It's not a formula, but there are some key ingredients. And in our last moments together, I kind of want to just bring those to you. The first one is this. There's, the first ingredient is faith. Faith. The Bible says that without faith, we can't please God. Faith is the first requirement. An unflinching, unwavering steadfastness. A trust in God. Faith to believe. He heals James 5 says this. He says, if anyone or is anyone among you sick, let them call the elders of the church or the pastors of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil. There's nothing significant in and of itself. Oil, like if, if you're like shuffling through the cabinets, like I only got vegetable oil. I don't got olive. Like, don't worry. Oil is just a symbol of anointing. It's an Old Testament sign. I would even say that we probably don't even need to use oil. Let's not be so formulaic, so rigid that we don't allow the Spirit. I, in fact, I would say out of the, I don't know how many people I've prayed for, I can probably count on two hands the amount of times I've used anointing oil. I'm a, I'm a pastor. Maybe I'm not a good enough pastor, but I don't always have a, a dial of oil in my back pocket. Like, oh, don't worry, I'm here to save the day. Like, you know, like I'm sorry, I don't. But that's because I don't believe that the power is in the oil I don't even, I mean, I believe in laying on of hands, but I don't even believe that the power is in the laying on of the hands. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that when we trust him, when we put our faith in him, that's one part of the ingredient that we need, a key ingredient for healing, faith, faith, faith. But look what he says, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church. Now, I believe that is biblical. That is, that is powerful. Because when we call the elders of the church, you are submitting yourself under the authority that God has placed over your life spiritually. It is, it is humility. I'm going to get to you in a second. 
But call the, the elders of the church. Now, not just the elders. Anybody can pray for anybody. Let's be clear. It's the, the uh, priesthood of believers here. Anybody can pray for anybody. But there's power in calling the elders. Let them pray over you. Anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 15 is key. Look what it says here. And the prayer offered in, what is that word? Faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The question must be begged then, whose faith? Is it the person who is sick in need of healing? Because we see that in Scripture, that there were people that went to Jesus and said, Jesus, is it your will to heal me? And remember the, the leper, and Jesus was like, yes, it's my will, and, and, he, and he healed him. Or, or, or like the woman, the woman who was having hemorrhaging issues, and she was, she was just bleeding all over the place. And, she, and she's literally spent, the Bible says she spent a fortune, all that she had on, on doctors, and none of them could do anything. They couldn't treat her. And one day there was a big old crowd around Jesus, and, and Jesus was literally in, in route to heal someone's son. And this woman just had this crazy idea. I've, 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 I've wasted every resource I have. I've got nothing else. And I, I see Jesus to be this, I believe he's the son of God. I, I've seen him do other things. Maybe he can do things to me. And she just quietly and discreetly, in faith, goes up to Jesus and just touches the hem of his robe. Like, just one of those, like. <laughs> and instantly, Jesus says he felt power come out from among him. And he's omniscient. He knows all things. He knows all things. But he's like, who just touched me? And people are backing up. They're like, whoa, Jesus, take it easy. And Peter and John are standing up. They're like, yeah, who touched Jesus? The bouncers. And. They're looking around, and, and I believe in that, in that moment, Jesus was, was, was testing the faith. He was pretending to, to not know. He knew. He knew. Fully well knew. But this woman stands up and just begins to say, I, I'm ashamed. I'm, I'm, I'm bleeding. I'm, I'm cast out from society. Because at that point, if you were bleeding openly, you could not even worship in, in the church, in the temple. I, nobody likes me. Nobody wants me. I'm ashamed. I have nowhere else to go. I just figured if I touched the hem of your robe in faith, I'd be healed. And Jesus looks at her and says, you are this, a son of the king. You are a, and she just begins to validate her and validate her. And it was her faith that made her whole. But then we have other instances where it's the faith of the person who is requesting prayer on behalf of another person. Right? Like, like we, we just had a miracle like that happen in our church la- two weeks ago where a father was asking for prayer for his daughter who's, who's chi- who's, who his, grands- or his granddaughter, she's pregnant, was, was having some horrendous complications in this pregnancy. And he was the one asking for prayer. And guess what? That baby was completely healed. The doctor said that this baby was not going to make it. There was a tumor that was growing. This, this baby was going to die or likely the mom. She went back for the, the, uh, the scan and after the church began to pray, and guess what? Completely healed. The doctor said, if this is the first time I looked at this, 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 this scan, I, I, would have, I would have never thought anything. Completely healed. It was the faith of the Father who requested prayer on behalf of somebody else. We see this even biblically, where the Roman centurion goes and says, Jesus, I'm a man of authority. I, I've got somebody who is under my authority, who is, they are about to die. Jesus is like, well, do you want me to go? He's testing him. And, and the Roman centurion's like, listen, Jesus, I'm a man of authority. You're a man of authority. I can tell one of my soldiers to go, and I can be far from them. And because they submit to my authority, they will go. I understand you to be a man of authority. You just speak the words, and that man is healed. And you know what Jesus says? In all of Jerusalem, I have not even seen faith such as this, that this man understands authority. 
The Roman centurion wasn't asking for prayer on his own behalf. It wasn't, but it was his faith that healed somebody else. So, so far we see healing comes when we ask in faith for a healing to Jesus ourselves. Or faith can also be your faith asking for somebody else. But we also see the moments where nobody has faith and God is just sovereign and heals. Where we see those moments where it says that Jesus just had compassion on people and healed them. But no, nobody was asking, just the compassion of our good king who, who's inaugurating a beautiful kingdom. So all of these have one common denominator. If you look at every single healing, someone's faith. Faith. What's the second one? Humility. Humility. Oh, man. If you are needing prayer for healing, it requires faith to believe unwaveringly. Steadfast faith. Trust. Even if it's faith the size of a mustard seed. Remember what... Remember that one, that father who's like, I believe, but help me in my disbelief. And Jesus still healed because he's that good. He's compassionate. Humility is the second ingredient. We need a heap of humility. Humility enough to ask him for healing. Humility enough to believe he desires to heal. Like, you, you need to humble yourself. I think sometimes we, we keep healing out of our lives because we tell ourselves this prideful lie. It's rooted in pride. And we say, Jesus doesn't want to heal me. Why is that rooted in, in pride? Why is that lie rooted in pride? Because you are saying your sinfulness is so big that not even Jesus himself could deal with it. And because of that, that chasm of separation is too big for him. You are saying your circumstance, your sin is bigger than Jesus' ability. And friend, I'm here to tell you that is a lie of the enemy and it's rooted in insecurity and in pride. So we need to humble ourselves and say, Jesus, it's me again. The one you love. I know you love me. But believe that he desires to bring healing. And we need to believe that he has the power to heal. We also need the humility to carry our needs to others. God in his infinite wisdom for some reason has designed healing to not just happen vertically one-on-one. Like I believe God can heal if we personally ask him for healing. But by and large, the times that we see healing happen is when people are working together, praying for each other, laying hands on each other, when the body of Christ is stepping out of its comfort in being brothers and sisters and praying one for another. For some reason, when I humble myself and I disclose what's happening in my life and what's happening in my body and I say I need prayer, that that's opening me up, that's, that's humbling me and somebody else's, their, their faith is, is built up because they're like, whoa, if, if Pastor Steve is being humble, then, then I'll be humble too and, and I'll just say I'm vulnerable and I need healing and I need prayer too and, and, and just faith begins to grow and envelop this church but we need the humility 
to bring that, to confess that to each other. In fact, James says it this way. The brother of the Lord, he would say this, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confess your sins and pray so that you may be healed. Men, Goliath must fall. That study that's kicking off. We are going to pray with each other. We need to be together. Oh, pastor, it's Saturday morning, 7 a.m. It's my sleeping time. I already told you there's going to be bacon. But there's going to be healing in the name of Jesus. There's going to be vulnerability and honesty and true manliness. Arm wrestling. Just kidding. But confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And lastly, I want to end with this trust, humility, right? We need faith, we need humility, and we need, last but not least, we need trust. John 14, 1 says this, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. I believe in this place that there is a void of trust. Maybe you're you're afraid to speak up about your issue that you need prayer about because you don't think that the person next to you um, cares about you or or is willing to, to hold that confidence and um, I think sometimes trust starts when we prove ourselves to be trustworthy so my, my question to you is is whose trust are you seeking to build in the body of Christ who are you going to and saying hey how can I partner with you throw my arm over you and pray for you and when they see you do that, what do you think? They're going to be like, oh, well, I, you seem like a safe place or a safe person, a friend. But listen, church, I, I believe we are entering a time in the body of Christ where God desires to move in the supernatural. The things that we read in the book of Acts, the things that we read about in the Gospels, God still desires to do that in his church. It requires humility, requires faith, it requires trust. Why does he heal? Because he is a compassionate king. Because he wants to give us the symbol of his kingdom. And because it is the side effect of the gospel. Can I just pray over every single one of us in this place? Father, thank you so much. Thank you for the times that we can look back in our life and see your hand in action. God, I pray that in this place, faith would rise up like never before, that we would cast aside insecurity and doubt, fear and worry, and allow faith to just swell up inside of us that humility would be draped over us, that trust would come easy because we're seeking to entrust others. Father, I pray over every single person in this place. God, I pray that we would have a heart 
that seeks after you, that trusts you. Lord, you are powerful. You are mighty. You are so good. You are bigger than any circumstance we have ever faced or will ever face. Father, we know that 700, actually 2,700 years ago, when you prompted the prophet Isaiah to speak, that it was absolutely true when he said that it was, it was our weaknesses that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. We thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for our own sin, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. And by his stripes, we have been healed. Let's go ahead and just take a moment if there's anything that you need healing for. I'm going to call the pastors and the the elders forward. If there's anybody in this place who's a pastor and elder, if you want to just line the front up here. Now, I don't believe that there's anything special about the altar that can't happen in your seat, but I do believe that when we step out in faith and when we trust, God does powerful things. So if there's, I mean, if there's anything that you have or maybe there's someone that you know because your faith can heal that person as well. And our faith together can heal that person. Fully believe that. We see that in scripture. Let's just take a few moments and, and spend some time in prayer. And uh, some elders and I will be up front just ready to pray if anybody needs it. Lord, thank you so much. Lord, you are a healer. Friends, I believe it would be obedient of us in this moment to just recognize that um, in all of us, listen, no, no judgment in this place, but all of us in this place, whether we know Jesus or not, maybe, you, maybe you've known Jesus for a long time, there came a point in your life where you had to make this declaration where you were like, listen, I'm, 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 in, I'm in sin. I'm in separation from the Father. And you had to make that decision to come to Jesus. Now, I believe that Christ wants to do the greatest healing that we can ever see. And it's a spiritual one. So I just want us to be sensitive in this moment and I want us to just our eyes closed our, our heads bowed if there is anybody in this place who has yet to experience that spiritual healing or where Paul said for we are dead in our sins but we come alive through Christ through faith and belief in Jesus if there is anybody who is yet to make that declaration of faith or maybe, maybe you've said it a while ago and you know you have since departed, that you're not living in a way that is honoring the Lord. And at this point, you want to say, Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm coming back. Heal me. I'm yours. I'm all of yours. Completely committed to you. If there's anybody in this place that would make that declaration for the first time, would you just go ahead and lift up your hand? Anybody in this place would willing to 
make that. Now, is there anybody in this place that is saying, you know what, Pastor, I may be a little separated from Jesus and not exactly where I want to be, but I I, want to draw closer. All I'm going to ask is for you to lift up your hand, and I'm not going to call you forward or anything like that, but I just want to pray for you. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Keep your hands up real quick just so that we can. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you for every single person in this place. Thank you for those that have lifted up their hands, who have made that declaration that says they want to draw closer to you. Father, we know that you give us a promise that if, as we draw near to you, you draw near to us, that you don't leave us high and dry. So, Father, we just pray for your Holy Spirit to empower, to encourage, and to restore in this place. Father, thank you for everybody under the sound of my voice. I pray that as we walk out of these seats and from these doors, that we would understand that you are a God who heals, that you do the supernatural, that you do the powerful, that the perfect person is Jesus, and it's not us, that it's not our abilities or our strengths that can ever bring up healing. It is your Holy Spirit. So, Father, we just pray that you would empower us, strengthen us to do your work all around us, that this week we would walk with people and talk with people and ask if they need prayer and see what you will do. I pray right now, Lord, that we would see people, maybe people we haven't seen in a long time, that you would give us the boldness to ask. Lord, I know that you're going to do something in someone's life this week, and I pray that that person is faithful and obedient. And the moment they begin to doubt, oh, that's not me, pastor brought this, but it's not, no, I pray that they would understand that it is them. So use us, empower us. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Okay, can we give the Lord some praise? Can we just thank him for all that he's done? You are our healer, Jesus. We love you. We praise you. Guys, let's go ahead and uh, I'm going to pray one more time for the meal that we're about to eat. Uh, If you're newer here, man, please stick around. We'd love to hang out. I'd love to chat with you. We've got more than enough food. Um, And if you're not new, we still want you to stick around. Don't be like, Pastor, only wants to hang out. No, we want everybody to stick around. But let me just pray for you. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll hang out. Father, thank you so much for everybody. Pray that you bless this meal to our bodies. Bless the kids that are uh, in the back that we're going to pick up here in a second. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for Chick-fil-A, the Lord's chicken. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome. Let's go out and eat, guys. And that wraps up today's message, but we've got more on the way, so be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a future podcast. You belong here, so we encourage you to get connected. You can find us on social media or online at mwcwichita.com. That's mwcwichita.com. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next week.